time to grow up. And I'm saying this not because it's a good idea, but because I believe God is literally speaking globally to his people. It is time to grow up. I do think, along with all of the national leaders that I know and talk with every week, that this is a season where God is calling his people out to be a remnant church. There is always a remnant, and typically when there's a shaking, lots of stuff falls away, but whatever is left is the remnant. And we believe that God is calling out his remnant people. It tells us in the book of Ephesians that he will present to himself, that is Jesus, will present to himself a bride without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. His preparation of this bride will be, according to 5:26 and 27 of Ephesians, it's going to be according to the washing of the water of the word. It's going to be a glorious church. That is to say, a people who shine in the darkness. A glorious church. A church with glory. It is going to be a people who stand up and stand out. They're going to shine so that God can draw the nations through his people. Amen? It says in Philippians 2.15 that you, the church, may be a blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. God's people stand out. They shine in dark times. They shine in dark places. Amen. Back if uh, Hurricane Sandy hit, and we immediately went into action here at Grace and Peace. Uh, God had blessed us with a great campus, so we had gazillions of trucks coming and going, gazillions of pounds of goods coming in and moving, uh, lots and lots of clothing and what have you. We built uh, uh, an outfit called Jersey Shore United the day after the hurricane, uh, I made my feeble outreach uh, and, and got a, the next day 45 senior leaders to come over to Grace and Peace, knowing that every one of them was a lover, every one of them wanted to do something great for the community, but they wouldn't know what to do or how to do it, so we needed to do it collectively. So I sent out the invitation, and that morning when uh, they came over, we built Jersey Shore United, and I said that I would finance it for one year um, and was appointing Barry Mall to run the outfit, and after one year, it would be self-sufficient. The good news about uh, Jersey Shore United is that it did a lot of good during Hurricane Sandy, and it's still doing a lot of good. When uh, Greenbrier in Bricktown had a flash flood in one tiny little area, there were uh, at least 20 
homeowners that were beaten by the water, just like with Hurricane Sandy. Same thing. Anyway, Jersey Shore United rebuilt 20 of those homes in Bricktown and continues to do good. Barry Mall has been an exemplary leader. And right now, we with Jersey Shore United have a petition in front of the uh, planning board for Tom's River. We are asking to have a three-bedroom unit uh, built over here next to our community uh, center, the, the warehouse, at, in which uh, Barry would bring in youth groups from all over the country, one group at a time, week after week, all summer long, and we would be running projects to help people in need in their housing, women's, orphans, and those in need. So Jersey Shore United continues to flourish. And here's the key, though, going back to Sandy. When Sandy was over, uh, and things were slowing down a little bit. The uh, leadership of the government here in Dover Township decided they wanted to thank the entities uh, that had served well during uh, Hurricane Sandy. And so they, they uh, set out to bless and publicly recognize three organizations. And those three organizations were the Church of Grace and Peace, Samaritan's Purse, who had been brought into Tom's River by the Church of Grace and Peace and was sleeping at the Church of Grace and Peace, and Jersey Shore United, which was an arm of the Church of Grace and Peace. That is to say, God's people shine in darkness. They stand up and they stand out. Amen. Amen. Should have gotten a big amen somewhere. <clears throat> Good on you. Thank you. So, Jesus is preparing his bride. He is washing her with the water of the word. All growth in Christianity comes from the word of God. Peter says that we, like, like small children, should long for the pure spiritual milk of the word that we would grow thereby. God's word is the agent of growth. It cleanses us and it nourishes us. That is to say, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen. And so, Philippians 2.15 is you're shining as lights in the world. That was foretold back in the book of Isaiah. He saw the day when Christ would come and the glory of the Lord would descend on the people of God. This is what Isaiah says in 60 verses 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold... The darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Hallelujah. That is the condition 
of the church, the calling of the church to rise up and display the glory of God. We are being called in this season of time to grow up into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. This is a global calling. Every week, I spend two hours on the phone with apostolic leaders across America and occasionally uh, talk with John Kelly regarding apostolic leaders internationally. And the voice of God all over the globe is calling his people up, calling his people to grow, calling his people to cast off babyish things, childish things, and to mature and step up and step out. Amen? Amen. It's like it is expected that we grow, that when, when God plants a church, that it will grow. When God saves a family, that it will grow. It is anticipated that things grow. If anybody is a parent, they all want their child to grow. That is to say, while we love them, while they're in diapers, it's nice to get rid of the stink. We want them to grow. You know what I'm saying? If you're still wiping pablum off the chin of somebody who's 19 years old, there's something wrong. You, we want them to grow. Amen? A, and, and we actually celebrate as they grow. We celebrate their birthdays, and they, they rejoice. They're like, I'm five. That's like they've arrived. You know what I'm saying? Six, seven, etc. When you see a kid that you haven't seen in a while, they always look bigger. And you make commentary like, dear God, what are you, eating dinosaur meat? It's like... You're, you've grown so much. Or, wow, you're getting so tall. You're going to be tall as your mom's shoulder soon. And then what? Uh, you know what I'm we, uh, Growing is normal. Not growing is abnormal. Oh, amen. That is abnormal physically. It is abnormal spiritually. So I want to go over three key chapters, a piece of each one. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Galatians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 5. So a passage out of each of those chapters, 1 Corinthians 3. By the way, what we're looking for is a particular Greek word in each of these uh, passages. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Babes is the word we're looking for. It's the Greek term napios. Verse 2. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. That is to say, there's a rebuke taking place here for failure to grow. Amen? Amen. Come on, how many of you as parents, you know, at some point had to say to a teenager, come on, you're acting like a baby. Act your age. Amen? Amen. Galatians 4, 
verses 1 to 3. And I say that the heir, the one who will inherit everything, as long as he is a child, that's napios, that is a very small child. So a babe or a really, really small child, as long as this heir, the one who will inherit everything, is still a napios, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. That is to say, it goes on to say, such a one is under guardians and stewards. That's pedagogues. One translation says jailers. It's like that is those who will manage the child's life because he doesn't have the sense to manage his life himself. Amen. He's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So you, you, you are an heir. It's going to be yours, but you can't have it yet because you've got to grow up first. There is a time, and it is known to the father, a time appointed by the father when this baby, this child, will have matured to a place where they can be released in the company business. I mean, the family business. Amen? Until the time appointed by the Father, even so, we, when we were children, these little ones were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now we jump to Hebrews 5, verse 11. Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, the very foundational thoughts found in the oracles, the words of God. Amen? You should be teachers, but instead you need, again, the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Okay, so we see 1 Corinthians 3, napios, babe. Galatians 4, 1 to 3, child, napios, the same as babe. And Hebrews 5, babe. In each of them, this word napios indicates in terms of growth, a child so young that they have not yet developed their own speech. That is to say, they're only capable of whining, moaning, groaning, sighing, whatever, communicating with hand signals and body language and what have you, but they can't say what they want or, 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 or mean. Amen? And so there's a rebuke taking place in Corinthians and a warning in Galatians and a rebuke in Hebrews for failure to grow. It is normal for new believers to be babyish. It is abnormal for older believers to be babyish. You can say amen or you can say ouch. Uh, 
Amen. It's abnormal not to grow. That's why the rebukes are here in the Word of God. Now, specifically, I want to get to this fourth chapter of Galatians. So we read the first three verses. I want to see more of the chapter. I'm going to read from verse 4 down to 11 and then jump to two verses further out, verses 19 and 20. At verse 11, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So, basically, the first three verses said, you're, if you're a baby, you're going to inherit everything, but you have to be managed, etc. And because of that, God sent his son in the fullness of time so that we might receive the adoption as sons. I will explain this, hopefully, in detail to be understood. But what's being talked about here is that the baby will mature and grow up to the time appointed by the father. Because adoption in Greek is not entry into the family. Being born again, you are a baby. You are a child of God. Amen? But you don't get to speak for the father. You don't have the maturity to speak for the father until the time appointed by the Father when he says, you're ready, you have matured, you have grown, I'm going to put you on public display. And that ceremony is known as adoption. It isn't bringing you into the family. It is releasing you from childhood into adulthood, into maturity. Amen? Amen. It, hallelujah. All right. And so... We read, continue in verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And so let me explain here. Adoption is the Greek word, weos thesia. The Greek word for son is weos, W-E-O-S. Take that and tie it to this thesia. Thesia is the verb uh, to place. So weos thesia, adoption, weos thesia, means son placement. In order to be a son of God doesn't mean you're born into the family. It means the father recognizes as his child you have grown and now need to be released into the place of the mature standing of a son. And we'll talk about the, what happens when this adoption hits. So, verse 7, therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son. Remember, as long as you're a baby, you're no better off than a slave. But you're no longer a slave because the spirit of adoption has taken hold of you. You are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir 
of God through Christ. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not God's. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. Listen carefully now in verse 11. I am afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. This is the apostolic ache. Why don't they mature? I don't, I don't. Verse 19, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Very clearly, Paul expected church that he birthed would grow. Believers that he birthed would grow. He is in anguish over the condition of Galatia. And by the way, when you have the book of Colossians, that was a church in the city of Colossae. The book of First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, that is a church in the city of Thessalonica. When you read Galatians, that is not one church. That is every church in the entire region. Of Galatia, and there were many of them. This is the apostle lamenting the condition of the believers because they are not growing up the way they're supposed to grow up. Hallelujah. I, I am laboring in birth again, and I have doubts about you. And, and, and church, today, there is a shaking in the world, and it's shaking out, but it's also calling forth. That is to say, after the stuff shakes out, what's left is a remnant, and God is calling a remnant church to the foreground. Today, spiritual growth is being accelerated all over the planet. It's a global thing that God is doing. We are under powerful spiritual direction from the spirit of adoption. Yes, Holy Spirit is called the spirit of son placement. His job in my life and your life is to mature us. That's his job. He is in you both to will and to do for God's good pleasure. He is there to make us grow, to mature us as we yield to his work and to his word. Amen? All of us need to get to that place where we can say with Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Amen?
So where are the childish things in my life, your life, the church's life? I'm not sure, but we all have some. None of us is so mature yet that we don't need some further work of the spirit of adoption, maturing us, growing us, perfecting us. Hello? We need to call on the Lord to wash away baby things. Amen? So, you know, as my kids were growing, you know, I would have to say to them, you're acting like a baby. Knock it off. Grow up. You know, act your age kind of a thing. It's like, and here's how a person your age acts. We don't do that anymore. That sort of thing. So these chapters, I did not read every single word in them, but 1 Corinthians 3, Galatians 4, Ephesians 5, those three chapters list for us these babyish things that need to go, that we have to repent of and have Jesus wash from us. First among them was jealousy, envy, strife. If you are just a, a, a churchgoer, you know, who's, you know, just in love with God and you don't know what the body of Christ is like outside your own assembly, you have to understand there's tremendous turf wars in the church of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of jealousy, envy, strife. There's a lot of we are better than you are or you are inferior to what we are. I want you to know that it's like I have chosen to recognize that those in the congregation are not my sheep. They're his sheep. My job is to take care of his sheep. So when he says to somebody who's in this church, I want you to leave this church and I'm going to have you go to that church, I don't get upset. Hello? Envy, jealousy, strife is upset because I'm trying to build a church here. What are you doing abandoning me kind of a thing? Wrong perspective. The job of a minister is to grow or advance the kingdom of God. Not to grow my work, but to advance his kingdom. If you go to almost any Pentecostal church in this entire region, you will discover that chief on all those leadership teams are folks who used to attend at the Church of Grace and Peace. And for that, we rejoice. We are thankful that God allows us to grow people up and release them, and when they go somewhere else, they are immediately recognized as different from the typical. They are leaders. Amen? Amen. This has got to change in the body of Christ. We need to build the kingdom of God. Amen? tossed about by every changing wind. COVID-19 was a changing wind. One-third under surveys, one-third of those who used to attend church will not be returning. Now, you can think, oh, no, that's awful, or you can recognize it's the shifting of God. Oh, no, I meant sifting of God. That is to say, God's shaking globally and a lot of stuff on the edge is just going to fall away this is God calling for a remnant people a remnant 
church. And by the way, good news, God is up to something because 20% of those who never attended church are now saying, I would like to know what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. That's good. Okay? It's like, what else does those scriptures, those chapters talk about? Running after new doctrine. Come on. We're not even living well under the old doctrine. Who needs new teaching? Hello? Come on. You got to live with what you know already before you learn something more. Amen. People keep sending me books, and the pile keeps growing taller. I haven't read them. I can't even cope with the knowledge I have. Thank you, Jesus. Legalism. We had this wonderful revival going on in, in Pensacola, and it just so happens that Pensacola is the home headquarters of the King James only crowd. These are people who, who seem to be evangelical Christians. However, uh, uh, biblically speaking, they can't be biblical Christians because they know that they're saved, but at the same time, they would tell you, you are going to hell because you will not read the King James Bible. Hello? It's like, that is to say, never mind. Just if you understand the Word of God, those folks cannot actually be Christians because they're sending you to hell for not being exactly like them. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So, <clears throat> inability to instruct others, the book of Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We don't need new doctrine. We need to contend for the Apostles' Creed. Amen. Poor insight and judgment. Okay. Disclaimer before I make my statement. We love black people. I would lay my life down for black people. Black lives matter. But the organization is straight from hell. The two women leading Black Lives Matter are using necromancy. They are two witches, self-admitted. I am not pointing the finger of accusation. They have stated so. They call forth spirits from the dead to attend their, their um, um, activities and energize the work. That is the witch of Endor. That is necromancy. That is an abomination to God. The organization Black Lives Matter is run by two lesbian women, both witches that say in their principles, we intend to disrupt the natural family. I don't want you disrupting my family. I'll go love black people my way. You stay out of my life. Amen? Amen. So, it's just like, wow, 75% of Americans fully support the organization Black Lives Matter, most of those people are misled. They are loving people who want to love black people and let them know they're trying to do a good thing. They need to get informed. Amen? Amen. 
And last but not least, party spirit. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter. No, none of you are right. You must be, I am of Christ. We are Christians. It isn't about what denomination I belong to. In fact, the word denomination, I used to be a math teacher. And denominator means the divisor. Remember? You had to divide the, the denominator into the numerator and blah, blah, blah. Hey, amen. It's, it's a division. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> these are the traits expected in babies, not in those who are growing. We us, the sia, the spirit of adoption, the time appointed by the Father. Only the Father knows but there comes a time when he says, my child needs to be authorized to do family business. They take their child into the public marketplace, and that child is wearing the cloak of childhood. Their clothes define who they are and what their authority level is. They are children. Nobody has to take them seriously. But there is the time appointed by the Father, and he takes you out, and you're a child this moment, but the Father takes the cloak of childhood from your shoulders and gets rid of it. He installs the toga virilis, the cloak of manhood, the virility factor, the maturity factor, the child just got adopted, was just placed as a son. And a son immediately got the ring, the family signet ring. That meant he could do business for the father. With that signet ring, he could make contracts. His yes was yes, it was the father's yes. His no was no, it was the father's no. Do you, we are supposed to be the people who bind and loose, who say, not in my town, not in my city, not in my house, not in my business, etc. It is God is calling us to grow up and the spirit of adoption always has been in you, but there is a fresh awakening all over the world that God in you is both to will and to do, and he's growing, he's releasing, he's calling forth a remnant people. Amen? I want to be part of it. It requires a decision in my life, in your life. We have to decide, I am going to grow as much as God will enable. I am going to grow up while God is growing his church up. Amen? I'll tell you one way you could start instantly, and that is Pastor Jim who will be calling you to a prayer meeting tonight. You could get on the prayer call tonight. Amen. I think he's uh, got an email going out at 2 p.m. with a link to the phone call. It's 60 minutes. It's 60 minutes of engaging, uh, 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 excited, 
exciting prayer, hearing the church pray. It's a, it's a good thing, and I strongly uh, exhort you, join the call. Look at your emails and join the call, not only tonight, but because America is so broken. Uh, it's like we are going to have prayer every Sunday night from now up until the election. I tell you, I cannot imagine. My brain will not let me see a good outcome to this coming election. Seriously. Democrats, Republicans, who wins? I, I think America loses no matter what happens in the election because the turmoil that we're seeing today is only going to increase with one hope, people. And that is why we pray. If my people, not if Americans, but if my people, not if white people, if black people, if red people, no, 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 if my people who are called by my name, if they will pray, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. America's hope is not in Republicans. It's not in Democrats. It's in God. God can heal America. Hello? I can't. I can't, but he can. So we will be praying from now right up to election, and I'm sure beyond. But nevertheless, we are praying because we are on the precipice of disaster or perhaps an awakening and a revival. Revival precedes awakening. Revival is what happens in the church. Awakening is what happens in the nation. Before there can be an awakening in our neighborhood, there needs to be a revival in our neighborhood. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> as much as I'm able for self and for others who are in agreement, we just lay ourselves down, Lord God, yielding and submitting to your call. You're asking us to do something that we are incapable of doing ourselves, but we fully recognize the spirit of adoption is with us and in us, both to will and to do. And so, thank you, Lord. It's like there's a time for growing, and we submit to it. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to do your work in us, energizing both the willingness and the activity, directing our steps, leading us forward. We would like to be the light shining in this current darkness. And we ask you that, believing that you're going to bring it to those of us who are serious and, and soberly coming before you, expecting that the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sun placement will maneuver us 
into that place where your appointed time releases us in authority. Oh, God, take us into that day. In Jesus' name, amen.